Please open your Bibles to the book of Luke, chapter 1. I'm puttering around reading a uh, famous novel by a famous Russian author, Crime and Punishment by Fyodor Dostoevsky. <clears throat> and uh, there, are a lot of, there are a lot of people who are introduced, not exactly sure that they're all going to come back into the story later on. I was uh, talking with someone about that recently, and I said, well, if it was a, a novel by Charles Dickens, you had better pay attention to all those people who are going to be introduced because they're going to figure significantly in the story later on. If you have read only Great Expectations or A Tale of Two Cities by uh, Charles Dickens, then you know that some people who uh, you suspect are only minely, minor characters introduced for color and texture turn out to be highly significant as the plot unfolds. Well, in my text today, we are introduced to some people who are uh, like characters in a, in a Dickens novel. They are highly significant. They are not introduced merely for color and texture. We have, first of all, Blessed Mary, are you surprised to hear a Baptist preacher call her that? Blessed Mary. That's a biblical designation of her, as, I'll, I'll, as you will see when I read the scripture in just a minute. And then we have Mother Elizabeth. And then thirdly, we have Baby John. Fourthly, we have the promise of Jesus. And then we have God himself. So let's center our thoughts on this text around those five highly significant uh, persons. It almost seems disrespectful to include God in a list of uh, designated as characters or Jesus either. Here's what we read in Luke chapter 1, beginning with verse 26. In the sixth month, that is the sixth month since Elizabeth had become pregnant, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And he came, and he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. 
Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your, your relative Elizabeth, in her old age, has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. In those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah. And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, <clears throat> the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed. That's what I've done this morning. Blessed Mary. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. And Mary remained with her about three months and returned home. It is not my intention to uh, preach uh, carefully from verses 46 through the end that I read. I read them because I want to make a couple of important points uh, from that. <clears throat> one, one thing that you need to know at the beginning is uh, that Mary was probably a young teenage girl at the time when she was informed that she was going to give birth to Jesus the Messiah. We don't know this for certain, but uh, according to the customs of first century Judaism, young girls would <clears throat> often get married when they were just 14 or 15 years old, and they would marry an older man who already had some establishment, who had uh, some vocation. Uh, didn't have to be rich, of course, and that certainly seems to be the case with Mary and Joseph, that um, they were not rich. But as for how old she was, we don't know for certain. She was probably a very young girl. And in those days, uh, girls didn't go off and get apartments by themselves. She would have either been in the house of her mother and father or in the house of a close relative until the time that she was married. So there are several things that this text uh, indicates to us about Mary. Blessed Mary has she said, all generations will now call me blessed from now on. There, 
several things about Blessed Mary that I think will uh, be an encouragement and a blessing to us and to help us to indeed give her the honor that is due to her name. I'm afraid that we have allowed uh, Roman Catholic abuses of Mary to, uh, to keep us from giving Mary her just due. She was a remarkable young lady, and all of this is increased in my mind if she was not 22 or 23, but if instead she was only 14 or 15 years old, uh, which, as I've said, is very likely. And uh, so the first thing that I want you to see about Mary is that almost certainly she was poor. Now, she's living in a part of the country that was not known for its wealth. That doesn't guarantee that she was poor. There are several other things that uh, cause me to conclude that she very likely was poor. And one is this song that I sang to you, that she sang and that I read to you where she, a couple of times, mentions that God has filled the hungry with good things, but he has sent the rich away empty, that he has brought down rulers from their thrones, but he has raised up the humble. And, of course, she is reflecting upon God's grace in her own life, and so it's very likely that she was quite poor. And then something that happened about uh, nine months later also indicates that she was poor. When she and Joseph went to the temple to, de- to dedicate the Lord Jesus Christ, they offered the offerings that were prescribed by the law. Now, the normal offering was that someone should bring a lamb. But there was special provision made that if someone was so poor that they couldn't afford a lamb, then they could bring two young doves or two young pigeons. And that's what Mary and Joseph brought. And so... One thing that I think we can justly conclude about Mary is that she was poor. And certainly poverty is no barrier to the next thing that I'll say about Mary, that she was pure and she was pious. But before I get there, let's just understand big and loud that being poor is no barrier to being a devout follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, throughout history, most of the followers of the Lord have been drawn from the ranks of poor people. And uh, in the book of James, when James is rebuking uh, the readers of his letter for showing favoritism to the rich, he says, isn't it the rich who are having you arrested and who are having you thrown into jail? Haven't you observed that it is primarily from the poor people that God draws his people? And then the Lord Jesus Christ one day was uh, confronted by a young man who comes and falls down before him and says, Good master, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And this young man is described in the Bible as being rich, and he's young, and he is a ruler. So he's an influential person, the sort of person that most of us would be delighted to see walking into the back door of our church and just hope that something would happen that day, that he might remain among us, this rich, young ruler with so much promise. And then he seemed to be so respectful. He bowed down before the Lord Jesus Christ and he said, good master, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus gave him uh, what, uh, what is a surprising answer to many of us. He said, you know the law. And then he cites several of the commandments. Honor your father and your mother. Do not murder. Do not, do not commit adultery. Do not steal. I can't remember exactly the ones, but that, that may be those four or five. And then, and then the young man with uh, seeming impudence to us, says to the Lord Jesus Christ, all these I have obeyed since I was a boy. And Jesus 
I think it's Mark that records, then Jesus, looking at him, loved him. Jesus was not being mean. Jesus was not trying to out, uh, show this young boy just how arrogant he was without reason. Jesus loved this young man. And then Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said, you still lack one thing. Go sell everything that you have and give it to the poor, and then you will have great reward in heaven. And come follow me. And at this, the young man went away sad because he had great possessions. And then Jesus turned to his disciples and he said, How difficult it is for those with riches to enter the kingdom of heaven. Indeed, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than it is for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. The, the disciples were amazed. How can this be? Then who can enter? Because they thought that people who were able to afford the best offerings, people who were able to sponsor uh, religious events and build religious buildings, they were the people who definitely had two feet in heaven already. How can this be? Who then can be saved, the disciples asked. They still had not understand that profound truth that salvation is by grace through faith, and it does not matter how rich you are, how influential you are, You've got to get rid of all of that if you're going to enter through the narrow gate. You've got to get rid of all of your pride. And Mary had done that. Mary perhaps didn't have as great an obstacle to get over as many of us in this room do. I include myself in it. If my grandparents or my great-grandparents could see the house that I live in and the car that I drive and the clothes that I wear, they would say, son, you have made it. You are filthy rich. And probably your, grand, your great-grandparents would probably say the same thing about you. Because many of you come from humble roots like I do. And you look at that house or that little cabin that your mom grew up in or that your grandparents lived in. And you think, well, that, I don't believe I'd keep a, a donkey in that shack. But that's where, that's where they lived. Mary probably uh, was, was poor and everybody around her was poor, but poor is no barrier to entering into the kingdom of heaven. But notice something else that this text teaches us about Mary. She was pure. And so there were temptations that confronted young girls in that day as there are temptations that confront young girls and young men in this day. But she had preserved herself and she was a virgin. She had never been inappropriately intimate with a boy. And uh, so this is This is not just a a way for us to admire her for her purity. This is also a fulfillment of the Scripture because the Lord had promised, we read it in Isaiah chapter 7, that one day a virgin would conceive and give birth to a child and that this child would be Emmanuel. And so now Mary, who has been a prepared vessel, who's poor and who is pure, has been chosen for this great task. This also tells us, this, this uh, passage of Scripture also tells us that Mary was pious. Now, pious is uh, not a word that we use very much in these days. It just means that she was holy, but I chose the word pious because I had a thing going with poor and with pure. And so she is pious, which means that she was holy. And we can tell from this passage of Scripture that she was holy because of two things. First of all, because of what the angel said to her, and then secondly, because of what she said to the angel. Let your eyes uh, rove over that passage of Scripture and see some of the things that the angel said to her. The angel comes to her and he says, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Now that's quite a statement right there, isn't it? Don't you hope that it can be said about you too? And I hope that it can be said about me, that I am in the Lord's favor and that he is with me. 
Now Mary was troubled at his words and wondered what kind of a greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. So far, so good. I wonder how she heard the next words. For you will be with child and give birth to a son. I can imagine that right then the the questions begin to arise. Her heart is already beating so fast that she can barely catch her breath. An angel is in her presence. And now he's speaking to her and saying, Don't be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son. And you're to give him the name Jesus. He will be great. God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And Mary has listened to this very, very patiently. It doesn't take long to say it. I don't know if there was any more that the angel said, but at the first opportunity, Mary respectfully asks, how can this be since I'm a virgin? Now I'll come back to that in just a minute. Let's continue what the angel said to her. And the angel said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you so that the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. I just think he's saying this to a young girl who is probably 14 years old. God is going to do something in you that he has never done before in the history of the world and that he will not do again. He is going to enable you to have a baby without having intimate relations with the baby's father. And, uh, and so when, when Mary hears that, so we know that Mary is a pious woman because of what the angel said to her, but now let's look at the two things that Mary said back to the angel. And the first thing was, she asks, obviously very respectfully, how can this be since I'm a virgin? So she doesn't, she doesn't doubt like Zechariah did in the passage that we studied last week. Zechariah asked, how can I be sure of this? I'm an old man and my wife is well along in years. And this very same angel, Gabriel, tells him, because you have not believed my words, I'm going to strike you so that you will not be able to speak. And obviously he couldn't hear either because he had to communicate through writing and through making signs until, until the Lord healed him of his muteness and his deafness. And uh, so Gabriel is not fooling around with people who doubt his word. So when Mary asks, how can this be? I think that we're right to assume that she is saying, well, I've never heard of such a thing. Uh, I don't doubt that it's true, but how is this going to happen? Now, there's nothing wrong with you very respectfully asking God why or asking God how. But there's a big difference between folding your arms, clenching your fists, and jutting your jaw out and say, God, you owe me an answer. On the one hand. And on the other hand, down on your knees with your palms raised up to heaven and tears running down your face saying, Lord, why is this happening? If there's some lesson that I need to get out of this, then I pray that you will teach it to me. I pray that you will sustain me through this. I don't know why you have enabled this to happen, but Lord, help me to honor you through it all. There's a vast difference between those two questions of why. And I think that the Lord is pleased when you and I like Mary, ask in humble faith, Lord, how is this going to happen? You've said that all things work together for my good. I trust that that is true. I pray that if it be your will, you in your due time will show me how that it is so. And then notice the second thing that Mary says. She says to the angel, I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you have said. Now, I 
I'm always looking in the Bible for what I believe to be paraphrases of the word faith. What is faith? I think about this so much because without faith, it's impossible to please God. And so the flip side of that coin is with faith, it is possible to please God. The Bible teaches that salvation is by grace through faith. I I want to be sure that I have faith. And so I'm always looking for people who had faith in the Bible and the way that they expressed it. And I think this is one of the best paraphrases of faith that I've ever found. I'm the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you have said. I'm the Lord's servant. I'm no longer going to pretend like I'm the boss. I'm no longer going to act like I know what's best for me. I, from this day on, am going to be the Lord's servant. Now, there's some of you in here, or maybe listening to this uh, as it's broadcast over the Internet, some of you who are puzzled, what is faith? Can you say, from now on, I'm going to submit myself wholeheartedly to the Lordship of Jesus Christ? I think that that is what faith is. With all that Jesus is and all that the Bible reveals Jesus to be, and, I, and if I'm ignorant of it, I want to set out today to find out who Jesus is But I know enough about Jesus and I know enough about myself and my sin that I can go at least this far today. I'm the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you have said. No matter what the the end result may be, Lord, from now on, you and I are of one mind. And so reveal to me in my life what's wrong and what I need to get rid of. Reveal to me in my life what I'm not doing that I need to be doing. I'm the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you have said. And so this much about Blessed Mary. She was probably poor. She was pure. And she was pious. But now let's move on and let's look at Mother Elizabeth. Oh, this older woman. I I speculated that Mary was probably 14 or 15 years old. And now I'm going to speculate that Elizabeth was at least in her late 50s, maybe in her 60s. It had been some time since there was any danger of her becoming pregnant because it took a miracle from God to, uh, to enable her and her husband, Zachariah, in the normal way. It, this was not a virgin birth, but in the normal way to conceive a baby. And now she's got little baby John the Baptist in her womb. And what a blessing it would have been. This, this woman who all of her life had been grieved and puzzled as to why she was not allowed to have a baby but humbly submitted to the Lord's sovereignty and now in her old age is blessed to be carrying a baby. And for five months, she remained in seclusion. And then in the sixth month, so she's five months pregnant. The fifth month has been passed and now she's in that sixth month, not yet yet having the sixth monthly date, but she's in the sixth month. In the sixth month, Then Mary finds out that she's going to have a baby. And it says, at that time, Mary got ready and hurried to the hill country of Judah. Now, to me, there's just all kinds of intriguing mystery in that statement. Why didn't she go home to her own mother? What kind of a home was she in? To her mom and dad, was there no possibility of their believing this story that an angel has come to me and I'm going to have a baby and it's because God has made me pregnant? 
Is there any, was there any possibility that her parents would receive that story? I don't know. I don't want to speak unnecessarily poorly about Mary's parents because while she greets Elizabeth, then Mary spouts out this song that is now part of Scripture, that God willing we will study next week, that is saturated with Scripture. So I don't want to be hard on Mary's parents. Somebody in that house had taught her a lot of Scripture. So by the time she's 14 or 15, she sings a song that God says, I want to be sure that that gets put in the Bible. And so, but for some reason, she didn't go home. Instead, she went to the home of Zechariah and Elizabeth, where she goes to the hill country of Judah, and she enters Zechariah's home where she greeted Elizabeth. Now, last week when I was talking about uh, those women who are unable to conceive children, I urged you, if, if the Lord has withhold, withheld from you having children that come from your own womb, then you can still be a mother to others. You can still be a mother in Israel. And apparently, that was the kind of attitude that Elizabeth had adopted. I think that there's a great age difference between Elizabeth and Mary, but there was some kind of connection. It's possible that they never saw one another but three times a year. Mary was in the northern part of the country. Elizabeth and Zechariah live in the hill country of Judah. They're, they're, they're separated by as much as maybe 100 miles. It was quite a journey, I suppose, for Mary to be able to get to the hill country of Judah as she did. But during those times of interaction, when she had had with her relative, they were related some way, with her relative Elizabeth, there had been a bond that had developed between them. I would say that probably a lot of the initiative was taken by Elizabeth, as the initiative almost always needs to be taken by you older men if you're going to mentor a younger man, a man, and you older women if you're going to mentor a younger woman, a younger woman. But if it hasn't happened for you, young person, and you'd like for someone to mentor you, then ask someone. Ask an older person in this church that you respect. Could we possibly meet together? I feel like I need to, to grow in the faith, and it would just really mean a lot to me if you could meet with me. I'd love to see those kind of relationships flourish in the Bullet Lick Baptist Church, and it would be such a blessing to both young and old. But obviously, that's the kind of uh, mentality that Elizabeth had, and that's the kind of reaching out and inviting personality that she had, that when this young girl, so afraid, felt like she couldn't go home, then she thought, but I can go to Elizabeth's house, and she will understand. She will understand this. And so she goes to the home of Elizabeth, and she greets Elizabeth. And as soon as Elizabeth hears, then the little baby in her womb, he's not yet, she's not yet six months along. It's in the sixth month. The baby in her womb leaps. And Elizabeth is filled with the Holy Spirit. And she calls, she exclaims with a loud voice to Mary, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that what the Lord has said to her will be fulfilled. <coughs> yeah, you know, I've told you before that when the Holy Spirit comes to your house to bake a cake, he uses the ingredients that you've stored up in your cupboard. 
And when the Holy Spirit filled Elizabeth this day, he found some pretty good stuff in her cupboard. And when she, when she was filled with the Holy Spirit and had to exclaim, then there was precious truth that came out of her mouth. You know, it's true for all of us. When you get jostled, you know what comes out of you? Whatever you're full of. When you get jostled or when you get irritated and agitated or scared, you know what comes out of you? Whatever you're full of. And when Elizabeth was jolted with this experience and the baby leaps in her joy, then she speaks out a blessing to this younger woman. I, I see Elizabeth's humility in this. Here is this woman, maybe, let's just say 64, 65 years old. And she's saying to this 14 or 15 year old girl, why am I so blessed that the mother of my Lord should come to me? Blessed is she who has believed that what the Lord has said to her will be accomplished. I think Elizabeth was a a holy, spirit-filled, humble woman. And we see it in this passage of Scripture. But let's move on and see about baby John. Baby John, not yet six months old in in the womb. I I really should have uh, got on the Internet and found out how big... A six-month-old baby is. Any, any, of you, any of you ladies know? Can you show me how big a six-month-old baby is? Okay, so somebody show me about, about the size of a big grapefruit. Not very big. When, when do you start feeling the baby flutter? About that time? About that time? So she probably had not felt John the Baptist very much, but she felt him that day. I want you to notice several things about John. You know, I, I don't pay much attention to what happens on the church calendar. So here, here I am preaching what's obviously a Christmas sermon, two or three weeks after Christmas. And so I just don't worry, I don't worry about who says what Sunday it is. But I think that this could be Right to Life Sunday. I'm not sure. It's either this Sunday or the next Sunday. And I usually do not preach a a right-to-life sermon on that Sunday. But I think that what I'm getting ready to say is some of the most powerful right-to-life information that we have in the Scripture. Before he is six months old, little John the Baptist can hear. He can hear. And he can recognize And he can experience emotion. And he can express his emotion. He's not even six months old in the the womb yet. But he can hear. He can recognize. He experiences emotion. And he can express that emotion. Because Elizabeth says, as soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped For joy. And so we live in a culture that just has an attitude towards life in the womb that makes me cross my eyes in disbelief. I can just I can just barely believe that what happens in our in our culture on a daily basis is is approved of and even even touted as something that is brave. 
And I want to lift my poor little preacher voice and say, the baby in the womb is a human being. The baby in the womb can hear. The baby in the womb can recognize. The baby in the womb can experience emotion. The baby in the womb can express emotion. Don't kill a human being in the womb. And if there are those who are hearing this sermon, who have been guilty of such a terrible sin, repent of it. Repent, because if you don't repent, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven, because the Bible says that no murderer will enter the kingdom of heaven, and abortion is murder. God, have mercy upon us. Uh, that, little, that little baby in the womb is a human being created by God himself. So we've taken a look at Blessed Mary. We've seen Mother Elizabeth. We've seen baby John. Notice what this passage of Scripture says about Jesus. First of all, the angel tells Mary, he will be great. He will be the son of the Most High. He will be the Holy One who will be born to you. And then the angel predicts, he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and ever. And all that the angel predicted about the Lord Jesus Christ came true and is continuing to come true. The Lord Jesus continues to reign over the house of Jacob, probably in a way that very few of the house of Jacob could have conceived. But the house of Jacob is now comprised of people who are spiritual believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. And he reigns over us and he will reign over us forever and ever. Now, finally, let's look at the fifth person that is uh, revealed somewhat in this passage of Scripture, and that's God himself. So God has seen this young lady, and he's prepared for her to be the mother of his son, but he also has looked with approval upon this young girl's uh, pursuit of holiness in her life. I meant to say this when I was talking about Mary, how that her piety helped to qualify her for the task that she was given. And what I want to say is, when God saves someone, he saves undeserving, ill-prepared people. When God saves someone, he saves undeserving, ill-prepared people. But when God uses someone in his kingdom, he almost always uses holy, prepared people. Salvation is by grace. You don't need to clean your life up in order to come to Jesus. Come to Jesus just as you are. Repent of your sin and receive the Lord Jesus Christ. But if you want to be used by the Lord, then hear these words from 2 Timothy. For in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and silver but also of wood and clay, some for honorable use, some for dishonorable. Therefore, if anyone would be a vessel for honorable use, let him cleanse himself. Therefore, if anyone... I'm I'm, I'm losing it right there, but the gist of it is, if you want to be used as an honorable vessel, then you must cleanse yourself and you will be used as a vessel for honor in the Lord's house. And so the Lord recognizes that and the Lord uses that. 
And then among the other things that I might say that the Lord reveals about himself in this, let's just conclude with what the angel tells Mary. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she, who was said to be barren, is in her sixth month. For nothing is impossible with God. What a, uh, what a verse of scripture to carry away with you this morning. You may feel like you're facing some kind of impossible situation in your own life or in the life of your family. And you just think, well, I just don't see how in the world anything could ever come out of this. Remember what the angel said to Mary. Nothing is impossible with God. He is, able to, he is able to save those that people would look at and say, well, there's no possibility of that person ever being saved. And sometimes a person concludes that about himself or about herself. I, I am too bad. I have done too much. But no, the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ is if you will come to the Lord and repent of your sin, he will receive you and he will cleanse you and, and he will make you new. For nothing is impossible with God. Will you today... Say with Mary, I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you have said. For I'm coming to a God with whom nothing is impossible. Jim Bob, come and lead us in a concluding hymn.